understands how life begins or how a baby is so wonderfully formed in a mother's womb. Only God knows how to perform such a miracle. Stitch by stitch, row by row, He carefully knits each piece into place. From Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. story from the Bible in Living Sound. O Lord God of Israel, I thank thee for thy manifold blessings and loving care. But O Lord, the brook Kirith is now dried up, for there has been no rain or dew for many months, and thy servant thirsteth for water. Therefore, O Lord God of mercy, command thy servant what to do, and it shall be done. Arise, Elijah, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Don't cry, dear. Mother's awfully sorry, but this famine is a terrible... I'm hungry, Mommy. Of course you are, dear. Why can't I have cakes like I used to have? That's a good question, my son. The answer, I... I think the real answer lies down there in Israel. I'm a Phoenician, a Sidonian, and I'm supposed to believe in the gods Baal and Ashtoreth, but... I can't. They're powerless, lifeless. But the God of Israel actually lives. Oh, I wish I knew more about such a God. I'd surely worship and obey him. 
And that's just what Israel is not doing. And therein, I think, lies the reason for this famine. I've heard that the famine will end as soon as Israel goes back to worshiping their own God, the one who brought them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea on dry land. He even... Oh, but you're too young to understand such things. I don't even understand them myself. For the life of me, I can't understand why Israel doesn't worship their God. It seems to me that if they don't... Mommy, please give me something to eat, please. All right, dear. I've been holding off as long as I could, but I guess I might as well cook the last of the meal now, and and then we'll have no more, and, and we'll starve. Can I have it now? All right. Let's go to the seashore first and and bring back wood so we can bake some bread. We'll see who can find the most pieces of wood. There, my son. We have enough wood now to bake the cakes. I found more wood than you did. You surely did. And for that, you can get the most of the cake. And if you're ready, we'll go home right now and bake that cake. I love you, Mommy. I love you. But I'm hungry. Greetings, madam. Greetings. I beg your pardon, ma'am, but I, I've come a long way and I'm thirsty. Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a cup that I may drink. You're a stranger here in Zarephath? Yes, ma'am. I'm an Israelite from the other side of the Jordan. Do you, do you believe in the true God? Yes, ma'am, I certainly do. Baal? No, ma'am. The true God. And the one and only living God, Jehovah. I'll go fetch that water for you. I've never yet turned away a stranger in need. Come along, son. Well, bring me a little bread also that I may eat. Sir, I... I... As the Lord thy God liveth, I have no bread to give thee. All I have is one handful of meal in a barrel and, and a little oil in a cruise. These sticks of wood, we, we just gathered them along the shore to... We were going home and cook the meal and eat, my son and I. And then we were prepared to die. Fear not, madam. Go home and do as thou hast said. Only first bake me a cake and bring it to me. Then you can go home and bake you and your son a cake. But there's only enough meal for... All right, sir. I, I cannot refuse a stranger in need. I, I will do as you request. Thou shalt be rewarded. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Are you the man who said to have mysteriously appeared before King Ahab, warning him of this famine? I am a man who believes in and worships the God of Israel. I will go and bake you a cake, man of God.
Here you are, man of God. A cake for you to eat. Thank you, madam. Uh, the meal in the barrel, what about it? It took all I had to bake this cake, sir. But when I looked in the barrel again, there still remained a handful of meal, the same as before. And the oil? There's as much oil there as there was before I used it to bake this cake. Sir, thou art truly a man of God. Come, I pray thee, and dwell in my humble home. There's a small but adequate loft with straw for a bed. It shall be thy home for as long as you wish. And Elijah and the widow and her son lived and did eat many days, for the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he had spoken through Elijah. Elijah! Elijah, come down here at once! I'll be right there. <laughs> yes, madam. You see this? Your son? Ill? He's... he's dead. Dead? Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry? You sorry? Oh, would that I had never seen you. What have I done to you, old man of God? Are, are you come to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Give me thy son. <laughs> you kill him. I'll take him to my room. He's dead and I... <laughs> See, thy son liveth again. I've been up in Elijah's room, Mother, and he told me all about his God. My son. My son. May I go outside a while, Mother, and see if I can find some pretty rocks? Oh, Elijah, sir, I know now that thou art truly a man of God, and that the word of the Lord that thou speakest is truth. Continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
Live with Sam. I'm Sam here on the school playground to learn more about health. Let's talk with Jason, the captain of the soccer team. Jason, what's the secret of your amazing success? I never kicked the ball. How do you keep from kicking the ball? By letting other people do it. But how do you explain the fact that your team wins so many games? Everybody else is really good at kicking the ball. All I have to do is say, hey, go over there and kick the ball. And they do. Works great. So you run around the field. Right. Shout at your teammates. Right. Never kick the ball. Right. And win the game. Weird, huh? Let's talk about you. You seem to be in such great shape. Running and shouting takes a lot of energy. You can burn a lot of calories doing that. I'm sure kicking the ball takes a lot of energy, too. But I wouldn't know. So what I hear you saying is that to be in good shape, you need to do a lot of moving, running, shouting, stuff like that. When we score a goal, I jump up and down. That's good for me. And when we win a game, we all bump into each other and slap our hands together. There's 100 calories right there. Do you have any interest in any other sports? Baseball. I love baseball. Just one problem. Let me guess. You can't hit the ball. I'm planning on being the world's first professional pinch runner. This is Sam with Live with Sam. Goodbye. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do you ever feel left out like your friends want to be with someone else instead of you? What if you really needed those friends to help you solve a mystery? Chris and Maria discover an old safe in their grandparents' basement, but no one knows the combination. Who gave them money to build the cross above Mill Valley? Chris and Maria think the answer is inside the old safe. As they follow the clues, Chris learns some important lessons about friendship and jealousy, and about being a Christian. Chapter 8. A Dirty Trick Chris scanned the brush and trees on his right, then he looked up the hill on his left. Okay, guys, I know you're around here somewhere. No one answered. Maybe I didn't see Dee Dee's yellow jacket after all, Chris thought. Maybe they're even further ahead somewhere. Chris took off jogging. He jogged for five more minutes before stopping to catch his breath. Where could they have gone? He could see a long way down the trail, but he couldn't see his friends. I'd better go back and tell Mr. Shu I can't find them, he thought. Turning around, Chris started running back up the trail. How am I going to explain this? But when he got back to the cross, Chris didn't have to explain anything. Everyone, including Ryan and the other shoebox kids, was standing around the cross. Chris slowed to a walk, breathing hard after all the running he had done. What happened to you? Sammy asked, trying to hide a grin. Yeah, Ryan added. What happened? I went down the trail to see if I could find you guys. Where were you? Then Mr. Shu and Mr. and Mrs. Vargas walked over and Chris knew he was in some sort of trouble. Dad spoke first. Chris, your mom and I were getting worried. Mr. Shu was also very worried. 
Do you mind explaining why you decide to take off on your own and get so far ahead of the group? I wasn't. I mean, I didn't. Chris didn't know what to say. Willie rolled his wheelchair forward. He put his head down, but still managed to look at the Varguses and Mr. Shoe. It was our fault. We got too far ahead, and when Chris came to find us, we hid from him. Then we circled around and got back here before he did. Mr. Shoe doesn't look too pleased, but at least he's not mad at me, Chris thought. Just then, Pastor Hill came up. I spoke to the mayor Friday afternoon, Chris, right after your mom called. The mayor said there would be no problem letting you inside your great-grandpa's old house to look around as long as there was an adult along. Great, Chris said. Thanks. He turned to tell the others, but then he remembered what they had done to him. Let them find their own mystery to solve, he decided. Chris slept in late on Sunday morning, but he heard Maria coming before she opened his door and shouted, Hey, wake up! It's time for breakfast! He just rolled over. I don't feel like eating. Just go away. Maria stared for a minute, then shrugged her shoulders. I'll tell Mom you're sick. That made Chris sit up. No, don't tell Mom. She'll just make me take some yucky medicine. But if you're sick... I didn't say I was sick. I just don't feel like eating, Chris interrupted. Then you have to be sick, Maria declared. She tried one more time. We're having pancakes. Go ahead and eat. I just don't feel like it. Chris heard Mom come up the stairs. Then he heard Maria tell her that he didn't feel well, but that he wasn't sick either. He could imagine Maria shrugging her shoulders. Mom didn't come in his room, and he was glad about that. I can't explain why I don't feel good. I just don't. At 10.30, Chris finally crawled out of bed and took a shower. When he got downstairs, Maria claimed Ryan had called. I never heard the phone, Chris said as he got a box of cereal out of the cupboard. You must have been in the shower, Maria said. Anyway, he wants us to all meet over here at noon so we can work on the case. What case? Maria rolled her eyes. Our case, Mr. Detective. We've got to find the combination to the safe and prove Great Grandpa Archer is the one who donated the money for the cross. Next Thursday is the day the town is going to honor somebody for it. We have to make sure they honor the right person. I wish you'd stop rolling your eyes, Maria. One of these days they're going to stick halfway. Chris slumped down at the table. Let Ryan find the missing combination. Everyone seems to like Ryan better than me anyway. In Mrs. Shue's class yesterday, I was the only one who would stick up for him. But after he saved Willie, everyone decided that he's the greatest. Chris poured milk on his cereal. Maria wasn't helping matters any by rolling her eyes. Is that what's been bothering you, Maria asked? You're jealous? I'm not either. You're jealous of Ryan. Face it, Maria said. Chris knew Maria was right. She didn't have to rub it in, though. There was no way to argue with her, so he got the biggest spoonful of cereal and milk he could get on his spoon and stuck it in his mouth. By noon, Maria's rolling eyes were beginning to get on Chris's nerves. He grabbed his notebook and went into the family room where it was quiet. Maria can answer the door when everyone gets here, he thought. At noon, the doorbell rang for the first time. Chris could hear Jenny's and Dee Dee's voices in the living room. Then the doorbell rang again. He heard Dad helping Willie Teller get his wheelchair up the steps. Finally, he decided to join everyone in the living room. Is Ryan here, he asked when he entered the living room. No, Maria replied. Hi, Chris, Willie said. You're not still sore about the trick we pulled on you yesterday, are you? Chris shook his head. No, nah, I guess not. Good, Willie said. Ryan felt bad afterward. He did, Chris asked. Yeah, he said it wasn't a very nice thing to do, especially to a friend, Willie said. Just then the doorbell rang again. This time it was Sammy and Ryan. Hi, everyone, Sammy said when he came inside. Ryan just waved. He tried to avoid Chris's eyes. Chris didn't say anything either. 
Suddenly, Willie couldn't stand it any longer. He rolled his wheelchair to the middle of the room. What is it with you two, he asked Chris and Ryan. You two were best friends until yesterday. It wasn't very nice of us to pull that disappearing trick on you, Chris, but it wasn't all Ryan's fault. We're all sorry. Will you forgive us? Jenny stood up. She acted like she was going to say something, but then she sat down again. Chris stood up. I'm sorry I acted jealous, Ryan. I guess I was just jealous because everyone was hanging around you. I think it's great you're part of the group, but I guess that means I've got to share you with my other friends, too. Ryan grinned. I'm sorry, too, Chris. I really like being around all you guys. Jenny stood up again. Now that that's all settled, she said, can we get on with solving this mystery? Okay, Chris said. Everyone gather around. Maria has an idea. Maria laid out her photographs on the floor. She only needed three to prove her point. When Chris, Yo-Yo, and I were playing hide-and-seek in Grandma's basement last Sunday, we found an old safe of our great-grandpa Archer's. That's Grandma's dad, Maria explained. The shoebox kids nodded. Well, Grandma told Chris and I that we could look through some of great-grandpa's old things. Great-grandpa died almost 20 years ago, Chris added. Sammy, Jenny, Dee Dee, and Ryan all knelt down close to the photographs. Maria went on. Most of the photographs we found when we were going through great-grandpa's things had dates on the back of them. Mom puts dates on the backs of our photos, too. So does Grandma. My mom does that, too, Willie said. Most people do, Chris said. In all the photos of great-grandpa Archer, Maria continued, he was wearing a beard. But I saw a photo of him one time where he wasn't wearing a beard. I knew it was somewhere, but I didn't know where. I also remembered he was standing beside the cross that we hiked to yesterday, the one the city is planning a 50th anniversary celebration for this week. What does that prove, Ryan asked. It doesn't really prove anything, Maria said, but the photograph I got from Grandma last Friday shows great-grandpa without a beard. The date on it was 50 years ago. See? Maria held the photograph up for everyone to see. Wait, Willie said. I can't read what else it says. That's the best part, Maria said. The writing on the back of the photograph says, Miles Archer and Mayor Bill Parker, 1945. I can also prove the photo was taken close to 50 years ago because of these other two photographs. The one where great-grandpa has a full beard is dated 1944, and the one where he's just starting to grow a beard is dated 1945. Grandma said she only remembered one time when he didn't wear a beard. So you think your great-grandpa is the one who donated the money for the cross on the hill? Sammy asked. Chris and Maria both nodded. But we still have to prove it, Ryan said. That's where another part of the mystery comes in, Chris said, the part about the missing combination to great-grandpa's old safe. Hopefully something is inside that will help prove great-grandpa is the one who donated the money for the cross. He grinned. And here's the best part. Mom said she would take us to great-grandpa's house right now. heard today is a chapter of the shoebox kids book four the missing combination mystery written by eric stoffel edited and created by jerry d thomas and used with permission from the pacific press publishing association if you're interested in any other books published by the seventh day adventist church please visit adventistbookcenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955 This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they
So let the children come. Please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.